good afternoon. This is the IWS podcast. My name is RJ, and I'm happy to have here today the lovely Michaela. Good afternoon, Michaela. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Of course. So today, um, I was hoping to, as we kind of discussed a little bit briefly before we started, some conversations around family, upbringing, culture, relationships, communication. As you know, a lot of the topics I discuss are around mental health. And so I'm naturally going to be curious about you and sort of how you see and have experienced a lot of those things in your life so far. Um, since this is our first legit conversation, I'm going to just go with the flow and let's see what, what we go. Okay. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So to start us off, I wanted to ask you, what, how, what and how would you describe your experiences like growing up in your family? Um, I came from a different family dynamic. I was actually raised primarily from uh, or by my father. Okay. Uh, I still had my mother in my life, but around the age of like 13, uh, yeah. my, my parents separated and okay. I actually had full custody by my father. So he, he mainly raised me. Wow. Um, so yeah, I've always had a, a male presence in my life rather than like a mother figure. Hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that definitely changed my life completely because my father is just such a well-rounded man. Um, he has a great personality and he was uh, just an awesome support uh, and, and father figure in life my entire life like i've always been super close with him so yeah. um being raised by him i definitely looked at things a lot differently um instead of being in a household that i had uh an actual united family it was always just me and him so um i feel like being raised by my dad made me a lot more independent a lot more um strong i looked at things um from a lot of different perspectives mm -hmm. and i feel like he molded me um to really i don't know just he just set me up so well no matter what happened he was he was always just my greatest support system um and made me realize that i am capable of really just taking care of myself and doing things on my own independently, no matter yeah. how young I am, um, no matter what challenges I face. Um, yeah. He always made me look at the brighter side of everything, no matter what was going on. And he would just always keep going through challenges, um, but we would always get through them. And I don't know, it, it's just uh, a lot different dynamic when it's just a dad. Yeah. And I'm his only child too. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, so no siblings? No siblings. I have a half sibling, but she's from a different father and okay. she was raised solely by my mother. Gotcha. Um, so that just changed things completely because at the time that my parents separated, I actually was already 13, 14. So I was fully developed to have an opinion and understand what was going on yeah. and um, really be able to take from that situation um, throughout all the ups and downs and the challenges and, and grow from it and it really molded me into um who i am today and yeah. i feel like without that i don't know i honestly would have had a completely different upbringing because um yeah. throughout the younger years of my life my 
my parents never really had the best relationship. So if I had to go through that my entire upbringing yeah. until about like 18, um, I probably would have had a lot of different characteristics and um, probably like a little bit of a different outlook when it comes to um, re romantic relationships and also um, just day-to-day -day relationships. I probably mm -hmm. would have handled them differently being exposed to something like that on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, I feel like it also forced me to gain this huge independence that um, seeing that my mom can live on her own, my dad can live on her own and, and just really still get through life. Mm -hmm. um, it just changed my way of thinking at such a young age and, and forced me to really kind of grow up quicker than I wanted to, but I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. Wow, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm about to digest that for a minute. It's, it's interesting. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. You think about this is what's interesting for me and the work that I do is obviously I get to listen to a lot of stories and people's backgrounds and their upbringings. And that's why I'm always so curious because sometimes there's a lot, there's times where you have unexpected commonalities with people. And interestingly enough, um, I was also only raised by my father, mm. um, but it was because my mom passed away when I was when I was a kid. Oh, and but regardless, it's what I've learned and with a lot of the people that I've worked with is that there is an interesting dynamic when you have a child that's missing one of the parents in their life in an active role. And I say that because so just as give an example, as a man. Growing up with only a father, as an example, um, there's going to be, in most cases, a very strong lack of emotional expression and support. Because most men that I know, myself included, my father's a black man, um, they don't teach us that. And so I have an older sister as well. And so we were kind of taught to, you know, keep all those feelings down, suppress, don't, you know, don't share what's going on in the household, don't talk about any of those things. It was always about, as you said, being independent, not mm -hmm. needing anybody, not needing help, not even from my own father. And what I've learned and just my experience as a father, a therapist as well, is that I believe that you need both parents involved in your life because there's a certain level of balance that you need. So for example, if I was a young lady, me not having my mom, usually we identify with the same gender parent. So if I'm a young woman, I need my mom there because I'm sort of ascribing to be like her, not saying exactly like her, but there's certain aspects of her that I want to embody as I get older. If I'm a young man, same thing with my father. But when you take that parent out of the equation, now I don't have that example because you can't really do it with the opposite gender because we don't grow up exactly the same. Not, yeah. And it's nothing against the other parent. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like they don't try. But for yeah. example... My father can't teach my sister how to be a woman. Right. He can teach her aspects about what she might need to learn to embody if she wants, for example, to get married, giving from the man's lens. But he can't understand what it's like to go through puberty, to see your body change in that particular way. He's never going to understand that. That's where you need your mother there. And then vice versa for me. If I'm missing my mother in that example and growing up the way that I grew up, it means I was missing a portion of that level of comfort and support that you would typically have with a parent. So that way, when I get older and I want to have romantic relationships, friendships, and what have you, I'm much more comfortable expressing myself. But I didn't learn all that stuff. So then it's fundamentally harder for me to get to those points. 
And so a lot of the content and the conversations I have, a lot of my clients are men because a lot of men struggle in this area. Because again, a lot of us are raised by fathers that are present physically, but emotionally absent, maybe are not there at all. And then also society makes it difficult for us to express ourselves. So I really appreciate you giving that insight because I imagine that must be an interesting dynamic for you, like you said, growing up with primarily your father and not necessarily having as strong of a relationship with your mom. Yep, I agree 100%, definitely. I had to figure a lot of things out on my own. Not that I didn't have any accessibility to my mother. I can always contact her, call her if I needed her, but I just never really had that connection or relationship with her since she was um, not always present in my life. So I didn't feel comfortable right. um, all the time. Usually my father was a sense of comfort, but again, he can only teach me so much um, mm -hmm. from his perspective and also just being uh, my father. So it definitely changed a lot of things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I can only imagine <laughs> if you were anything like my older sister, I'm sure dating was probably a nightmare. Um, for, for you. No, I didn't even dare. Yeah. My dad okay. is so protective. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep this to a minimum. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, and that's typical. I mean, I, I was raised that way, like a traditional man. So it's like, yeah, I got to protect. I, I even had to go on dates with my sister sometimes. Um, my, dad, my dad just was not happy. <laughs> like, you got to tell me if anything goes on, it's inappropriate. You know, you better come back and tell me what happened. So I could, I could, that's what I said. I could definitely imagine what that must have been like for you. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay, so in speaking of that, uh, I want to go a little deeper in talking about the family. So, for example, so you really talked about your relationship with your father, and then mom was, you have access to her, but you said that, but you still didn't have that level of comfort. Can you share a little bit more about why was she not as present for you? Not, not the part about you not feeling comfortable to share with her, but why was she maybe not as present as she maybe could have been as compared to your father? Um, absolutely. Uh, so my mother actually had my older sister at 17 years old. And um, that relationship with, uh, sorry, the father of the baby or her, um, it didn't last much long. So she pretty much was, um, I don't want to say she lost some of her youth. But overall, she didn't get to live her life to the fullest at a young age. And I felt like around that time when I was between like 9 to 12, she really was going through a different stage in life and she wanted to explore. And um, that kind of plummeted as far as like her family and her romantic relationship with my father. So gotcha. um, uh, I just always felt like I had a stronger connection with my father since I was his only child. And it was only four of us in the household. So since my mother had my sister so young, they always had a stronger bond because it was always just them too. Right. And she had always gravitated towards, I hate favorites, but it's true. Everyone has favorites. My sister was always her favorite. So um, we just didn't really have much of a strong connection throughout my entire life, but she also lost most of her presence around that age when I was closer to like eight, nine. Um, okay. And she was just more out of the house um, until she moved out. And then she was completely um, like removed from my life. I mean, I, I could call her. I would see her every weekend, but she just uh, was too invested into other things like her career, like her personal gotcha. life. 
So I never really got the time to actually bond with her unless um, mm-hmm. it was like over dinner or maybe like we're out doing something bonding as a family yeah. um, and things like that. So it wasn't until I was older and fully um, independent that I reconnected with her and um, we have a strong relationship now. But when I was young, we just always bumped heads um, yeah. because I, I just never felt like she was a great support system for me. I just felt like I was always her second option or just not as important to her as everyone else. So um, that kind of pushed me away and I just gravitated towards my father because he was just always there for me. No, that totally makes sense. I mean, it's it's interesting because um, I'm going to try to deconstruct a little bit about what you just said. The the idea that she had your sister very young. So I'm a big believer when I when I, some of the people that I work with and we talk about these different roles that we play. Mm-hmm. And if I'm your mom, for example, uh, and I'm with your dad, it's like, okay, I'm his partner, so I'm in a relationship. I'm a mother to your older sister and you, and then I'm also a woman, mm-hmm. meaning I'm an individual. But if I'm having my child very young, I'm not getting, I didn't allow myself that opportunity to actually discover who I am. So then as I get older and I'm developing this relationship with my first child, I'm immediately pivot into mom mode. So it's very difficult for me to actually ever have that time to figure out who am I until, like you said, she made the decision to kind of remove herself from the relationship with your father and then just focus on herself and your older sister. And then obviously not negating you, but obviously taking some of that time away and trying mm-hmm. to find herself. It's just interesting how those things play out. Like those, those are like unintended consequences. Right. Like if you have a child young, like you're not necessarily thinking about how that might play out in your future. But it's just very interesting that you. Well, number one, I'm I'm happy that you reconnected with her um, and that she was open to that. But it's interesting because sometimes you don't, from a parent perspective, like you don't always get that opportunity because a child yeah. doesn't owe you that extra opportunity. Like our role to me anyway, is to create that bond, demonstrate that we're committed, that we, you know, we love you, that we're going to be there. And if we don't do that, just like any other relationship, it will not last. But I think a lot of parents, and I'm speaking this both as a, as a father and as a son, because some parents to me have it confused where they feel that you are entitled to a relationship and I don't really have to do anything. I birthed you. I help right. make you, so I don't have to do anything. You always have to be there. And I firmly disagree. It's like any other relationship. If you don't work at it, don't expect me to be there. So I'm happy that your mother is in your life and that you all were able to reconnect because I know that that's not always the case. Sometimes if you weren't there in those critical years, I might not want to talk to you for a really, really long time. And it did play out like that um, to be transparent because at that age, um, when they officially separated and they actually went the legal route, so we went through court and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was old enough, like I mentioned earlier, to understand what was going on. So like that also created a sense of hatred and frustration mm-hmm. and just a lot of ugly things um, yeah. in our already rocky relationship. And I didn't want anything to do with her. You know, I was like, look, you're not even here for me. Um, now I'm forced to spend time with you and we're never on the same page. So it was so rough, like my entire like teen years, um, until I kind of grew past that and I, um, really had a heart to heart with her and we just reconnected, but it was always rough. 
Um, I'm not going to lie. We both have really strong uh, <laughs> personalities, so <laughs> we can really go at it. But then again, she's my mother. I always say she's my mother at the end of the day. Like I mm-hmm. do have part of her in me mm-hmm. and um, we just get through it. And thankfully we did. And, and now our bond is stronger than ever. So Excellent. That's good to hear. I like I like when it's almost like you get you get to the positive chapter of the story. Sometimes you know yeah. you, you never know. It's like, oh, there was a rekindling and we were reconciling <laughs> and we're going for it. It's like, yes, we go for that. Yes. Okay. And then in uh piggybacking on that cop that concept, do, would you say that you have at all any significant relationships with like extended family um that you were that were involved with you as you were growing up, like aunts, uncles, cousins? Not necessarily. All my family uh, doesn't live in the state of Florida, and I've been in Florida my entire life. So pretty oh, okay. much it would only be like phone calls every once in a while. But I actually oh. have such a small family. Like this is all I had. Like literally my mother, my father, my sister, gotcha. and me is all we had here in Orlando. Everyone's pretty much up north in Puerto Rico. So I didn't even have anybody to reach out to other than my father. That's all I had. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. The reason why I asked that question going back to what you shared in the beginning, like when you didn't have the relationship with your mom, um, just to kind of give you the other side of that. For some people, uh, and I'll speak you more from my perspective, when I didn't have my mom there, a lot of my, my mom's side of the family is Salvadoran. So like they, yeah. most of them live in Tampa. So a lot of my tias and Wabalita, they stepped up to try to fill that gap. Of course, it's not the same, but they tried. And I very much appreciated it because I think that's part of it that helped me have some level of connection to my emotion and not completely shut off because that's a hundred percent what I was getting at home with my father. He was not trying to talk about anything. And so I was grateful that I at least had that. And I have a very large family on both sides, uh, even though a lot of them don't even live in Florida, but enough of them do because it's just so many of them. Um, Mm -hmm. But I say that because when you at least do have access to some other family members, sometimes it can help to supplement what you're missing. So if your mom, if you don't have the relationship with your mom, you might be like, okay, one of my theas, we are pretty close. So like that kind of gave me that, or one of my older cousins or something to that effect, my grandma. So that's why I was asking if you had had any relationships, but I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, unfortunately. I would say a few friends as I grew up, you know, their um, moms had played a, a specific role in my life. Um, I had this one friend, I still talk to her to this day, that throughout um, that whole legal process between my parents, I would often stay at her house and stuff because I was still in school. So like they would be out working or have to attend different meetings and um, stuff like that with their lawyers. And really they were a good support system and they were super understanding um, and were there for me emotionally to understand like, hey, this is out of your control. Just understand like, um, this is not your fault. You know, they just really reassured me um, at the times that I needed it. But other than that, not really any other kind of support. That's fair. And I, I, I forgot to mention that too. I definitely had some friends moms that definitely came in clutch as, <laughs> as I got older. So I, I can certainly empathize with you there. It's good when you have at least somebody uh, right. to try to give you that perspective. And like, like we said earlier, if you're not getting that from your dad, because again, that's not like his role. He's not supposed to like teach you all of those things, like the the parts of being a woman. Mm-hmm. It's good if you can get some part of it from somewhere. The hard part mm-hmm. is when you don't get it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now you're growing up like really confused because you're like, I don't really know how to be 
the way that I think I'm supposed to be. Cause I only learned this way from this person who can't exactly teach me because they're not the same gender. Right. right? But I'm glad that at least you had that too. Thank Something you. better than Me that. too. Small things, you know, that I notice now that I'm older for sure. Like at yes. the time I, was, I felt super alone, you know, just like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. But. Mm. Yeah, I'm grateful for them. Uh, yes, a, a lot of us definitely get that feeling. Um, <laughs> and what's what's interesting is, even when you have family that's there, right? And I, I never discount this. Even you can come from a very loving and supportive family, very large family, and still feel relatively isolated because maybe you don't think like you fit or mm-hmm. something apart. Something about that family dynamic makes you a bit uncomfortable to be as open as you would maybe like to be if you were around a group of people that made you feel like you could say and express anything. And I say that because to me, environment is everything. And my mm-hmm. humble opinion, the environments we grow up in vastly shape the way that we perceive our reality. And it starts when we're young. So if, for example, Like I said, for me, if I'm growing up and I'm missing a parent, there's certain challenges that I might inherently have to deal with because I didn't learn how to have, for example, navigate a healthy relationship with a woman. The first one is supposed to be my mom. If I don't learn how to love her, it's gonna be really hard for me to learn how to love a woman that's not my mom who who did not birth me, right? And the same thing, if I'm a woman, I don't really have a relationship with my dad it's gonna be really hard for me for those of us that are heterosexual to fall in love or want to be with a man because i don't know what that looks like i don't have an example of of that in my mind so trying to navigate that is gonna be really really hard so i might mess with the wrong people or people who really you know i shouldn't really be giving my attention to but i don't know like my value or or how to screen people type deal so mm-hmm. these are a lot of the like inherent challenges that come that we don't know until we get older and we're just in the situation. Yeah. But I like to notate those things because that's been my lived experience and a lot of folks I know who were missing that type of relationship, even if the parent was present physically. But the mm-hmm. fact that we didn't have that type of emotional connection, I'm still missing that very critical information. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, I agree. Okay. So I'm going to pivot off of that because you mentioned something a moment ago talking about your family. I'm okay. going to pivot to culture. Alrighty. How do you think your family's cultural background has influenced the way that you not only see the world today, but like how you deal with people in your day-to-day life? Um, honestly, it's it, it can go both ways. So I would say overall it influenced me positively because mm-hmm. in a spanish culture normally it's super super family oriented you know mm-hmm. your parents once they get married they're married for like literally the rest of their life mm-hmm. normally mm-hmm. um and it's just like everything is about family 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 so yeah. i learned that very early on that family is like the most important thing um and to always take care of those that are related to you no matter what mm-hmm. um which you were mentioning earlier that's not always the case <laughs> um, which right. I agree, but that's at least what they force you to, or they influence you to believe anyway. Right. Um, right. So I learned that it's always good to take care of your loved ones and yourself and always have a strong sense of family. And that's one of the most important things and uh, the beauties of life. But 
since I didn't grow up in that environment and I also was exposed to different toxic cultures, you know, between families that, um, you know, it seems all pretty and beautiful because, you know, they've been married for 40 years and they have like a, a flourishing family and all that stuff, but they have their challenges or, you know, they're not always meant to be, but they stick it out because they believe right. that like you should only have one, one partner in your life and stuff like that. So yeah. I feel like I kind of pick and choose from both scenarios, um, not both scenarios, but like different. Like aspects of both cultures. Yeah. And kind of created my own thought process of, um, you know, family is important, but you build that bond. And then once you meet someone that you're comfortable with, and that's who you would uh, essentially like commit to and kind of grow with that. I mean, there's not a specific way that you have to do things. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we, as, as a, a, in Spanish culture, know that like, um, I don't know, it's just like, it's it can be toxic sometimes and, and people don't like to admit that they just like to go with the flow and like yeah this is family let's have a huge family event and everyone kind of <laughs> talks talks crap or shady and it's, things it, aren't as, as it's okay it's okay if you if you need to use explicit language by the way it's okay i was this, like i don't know this, if I this, isn't for, this isn't for kids don't worry <laughs> i was like i don't want to curse too much because sometimes i can get a potty mouth but basically it's not it's not all of that it's, it's really not that great. Um, once you do follow those family traditions where you feel like you're forced um, to have these traditions and mm -hmm. certain um, relationships and stuff, and it doesn't work out for you. And I just feel like that can really um, make or break you as a person because then you're stuck in maybe in a miserable relationship or you know you just want to outlive this dream to fulfill like your um, normal tradition and family roles and stuff, but it, it's not what you want or how you feel like you're um meant to manifest your life and mm -hmm. i just kind of broke out that shell once i realized that hey this is what a family should normally be like or what um at least my background says is normal and i didn't yeah. that normal and i'm still all right if anything i'm glad that it wasn't normal because i felt like it pushed me to realize that not everything has to be black and white or like Correct. how everything is just been for generations like you can literally just break that shell and be who you want to be and, and life is never linear and things are never perfect but yes read and trust your gut and and go with that agreed agreed i'll give you the biggest high five right now to the camera <laughs> yeah. um no 100 percent. it's it's interesting the way you describe that because i know there's certain aspects of all cultures um, that we may not be maybe the most proud of, um, but we tend to shy away from. I definitely agree with you on the on the family side. Like I said, my family is very ginormous. And when my my grandmother's no longer here, but when she would call, uh, we all showed up no matter where we were in the world. And what I think is interesting, though, to your point, the concept of family. So, and this to me is where a, a lot of things in life are very gray. Most things are not black and white. We like to oversimplify life and make it seem like it's either or, but most things in life are not. It's on a spectrum. But I say that because like, for example, I grew up in the church. I don't subscribe to it now, but I grew up in a Christian church. And on my mom's side, they're like devoutly Christian, but they would, con I would consider them more the way I would want to be if I subscribe to that. 
welcoming in everybody, treating everybody like family, like there's no differences, opening your home to those that are in need, not trying to judge people. Those are attributes that I would actually subscribe to. Um, but I understand that that's not always the case. And then even within that sort of understanding, within a family unit, there might be individuals, particularly if you have a large one, that don't always embody those type of values, which is what I feel like you were you were kind of speaking to. And I, of course, I don't agree because I'm very transparent. I'm very direct. I'm very open. Um, I want to be treated with respect just like everybody else. I don't want people talking, you know, behind people's back, things like that, because I feel like that's quite childish and immature. Right. Um, but at the same time, people's family dynamics is it's hard because people as individuals, we are all not only inherently flawed, but we're inherently complicated, all of us, which is why most things are not black and white. Because we are not black or white. We are everything and every, everything and anything in between. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of challenge that there could exist in a family dynamic within a family system. And I think it's important for us to like acknowledge some of those challenges so that when we want and are ready to create our own family, we can really, so I would say, sculpt it and craft it in such a way that we truly value and appreciate. Maybe I'll take some aspects of this part of one part of my family and some aspects of this part of my family. Or this was some of my friends that I spent time with them. Like I have a best friend and his parents to me are like the gold standard. Like I didn't have the best examples growing up. So to me, I want to embody what they showed me. Like I want to take that, right? So you take it from everywhere. But we're talking about the cultural aspect. I think that's important because sometimes we don't necessarily agree with what our culture tells us, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe maybe we could say our subculture tells us because we have American culture and then we have like the then, Latino culture yeah. like within that, right? <laughs> and then depending on where, what country you came from. So I say all that to say it's inherently complicated and how we adopt aspects of it is also gonna be inherently complicated. But I think it's important that we are willing to acknowledge and express these things like you are right now. So when you talk about your family and the way you'd want to create it, maybe more or less moving forward, things that you would change, can you share a little bit about what are some of the aspects that you feel like are particularly toxic or just troubling that you would not want to carry over into the family you would create? Um, I would say when it comes to like decision making, um, between a mother and a father for their child. Yeah. It, I definitely would make that something a little bit more private um, instead of it being something that you would do in front of your child, you know, kind of going back and forth. It's good to have different opinions between you and your partner, mm -hmm. but um, I think uh, decision-making should be uh, something more private between parents. So when Agreed. they come to their child, then we're all on the same page um, mm -hmm. and everything is clear. I think that's something that's important. Um, respect too. Uh, I just feel like that plays into it uh, when it comes to decision making and also just like raising a child too. Um, respect is, is super, super important. Um, not only to uh, teach your children, but also make sure that, that they respect both parents. Yes. Um, at least to the same degree and and i would say probably like unity and bonding 
I would want to be more interactive uh, with my family and really make sure that I'm taking the time to do things together no matter yeah. what, like always setting time aside to make sure that um, I'm available uh, for my loved ones and to make sure um, that, you know, I'm a good support system, but also um, gaining trust and yeah. and just building a strong relationship where they're comfortable enough to understand that, hey, I'm your parent, um, but not make it friendly to the point, you know, where, where parents are like, yeah, I'm your friend too. Like, I just think that's a good <laughs> no. I'm like, no, like Agreed. you can't introduce the friend, the friend thing like that just never really works out. No. Um, but I would say small things like that. It's just little okay. tweaks to like your overall relationship um, and bond that you build with your child and also with your partner, you know, going through mm -hmm. the phase of understanding, you know, the personality and, and the overall human that you brought to this world yes. and, you know, doing it together is important. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you hit on a lot of points I want I want to touch on, but definitely yeah. to me, I'm, I'm big on themes. The overarching theme I take away from what I heard from you just now is the intentionality behind what I'm doing. I want to be intentional about how I'm going to bring this family together, the way we're going to interact, how we're going to build and strengthen these relationships with whether it's my child, my partner, my other family members and what have you. And I think all of those things are great. I think they're absolutely necessary because that's what I was kind of touching touching on before when I said that I don't think it matters what type of relationship you have. You have to be willing to put in the effort necessary if you want it to grow and really be strengthened over time, whether it is your partner, your child or friend or family member. What I would say, and I'm going to kind of use this to segue in a moment. I think that the, to me, the hardest type of relationship to cultivate is a romantic partner because with your child, you created them. So it's mm -hmm. a little bit easier to sort of get over that maybe initial discomfort of you're a different person and I'm gonna have to learn how to like manage you and, and how we're gonna raise you and yada, yada, yada. But I still made you. So I feel this right. inherent connection to you, whether I'm mom or dad. Like a family, bond. Correct. Family. Um, I didn't choose you, but I, I might feel some inherent connection to you because I know like we have the same name, the same culture, we came from the same region, what, what have you. So I feel a connection there. Friends, we choose them. So hopefully we're choosing people that we like, I would only hope. Mm -hmm. And then romantic partners, we choose them too. But the mm -hmm. harder part about a romantic partner is, but I have to figure out how to integrate my life with yours. Because with a friend, I don't necessarily have to do that. Right? right like we just we can spend time when we spend time with a partner right. and then if we take it a step further and we get married and we have a kid then we're starting to put those different hats on like i was talking about earlier so i got to figure out how to navigate that how do i be a wife a husband a father a mother a woman a man mm -hmm. and navigating all of that so i'm going to use your great piece of information you gave me there to segue talking about romantic relationships what has it been like your experience, like, you know, you can talk about it from your upbringing up until now, wherever you want to go with it. But like, what kind of challenges have you faced in trying to not only seek out a partner, but how do you find the person that's a right fit for you specifically? 
Oh, that's been so challenging. I'm still figuring it out, even though I am in a romantic relationship for about two years now. Um, but I can definitely say uh, one of the hardest things that I had to like develop was definitely trust. Mm-hmm. Just seeing <laughs> in my younger years how my mom just was so not ready but it was just a lot easier for her to just get up and go and kind of leave behind you know 13 14 years relationship with my father and her child so easily i mean that really messed with um my trust i'm just like how can you leave that behind Mm -hmm. but um i almost felt uh like how can i gain trust how can i work on trust with with people and I feel like it also built in um, this insecurity in the back of my head that I don't know if it's called like, it's kind of like loneliness, but I guess like a fear of being alone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, some, some people might call that a fear of abandonment. Abandonment. That's what I'm looking for. So I guess I just have those two are, are the strongest um uh, what is it like results or uh, consequences or yeah. um, that impacted me the most when it comes to my romantic relationships just seeing um, how that went down between my parents and, and just of course. looking into my younger self and trying to build you know um, what is it that I want in a relationship what is my value like you mentioned earlier what am I worth mm-hmm. so just seeing um, just how poor the relationship was between my parents it really just set a low standard for me in a sense yeah i don't even though now that i look back on it 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 should have set a high standard you know seeing how things can go um now that i'm older i understand like boundaries expectations um and different things like that but at first it was super rocky like i I didn't know i didn't have a guideline you know i I was just kind of figuring things out and kind of kind of taking not whatever I can get, but I just didn't have the best expectations for myself. Like I, mm-hmm. I really set myself at a low bar because all I saw or, or knew was a low bar. Mm-hmm. And now after, I I haven't had many romantic relationships. Um, also because of my parents, I, I had such a fear. Sure, of, sure. Of that just going south or yeah, just things just things not working out um that well that I never really could trust or was just insecure in a lot of different aspects um, yeah. about building a romantic relationship with another person and, and what they could do to me and, and just it's just built a lot of uh walls along the way but um probably like three relationships later this is like my third uh, yeah i wouldn't say long term um, but it's been like a year's relationship anyway. Um, I'm really starting to understand the importance of communication, of mm-hmm. um, value, of um, just overall uh, the way that I am with myself as far as like mentally, like checking in, understanding my worth um, emotionally Correct. and stuff like that and really um, just trying to improve different things in my relationship so I can avoid situations how I went through with my parents. Yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, that, and that's the, 
when I was talking about environment, that can be the scary part. Going back to what you were saying about my bar that I set in terms of expectations. When you, this has been my experience, when you don't really come from an environment where you feel like you get built up a lot and you have a high sense of self-worth, it's easy for a settle for people who won't treat you the best because that's the expectation. So for example, for me, my dad was like very, he's like, I mean, I was a military man. I am a military man too, but he was as well. And, but he's just like, he was just like hypercritical, hyper aware of anything that I ever did that wasn't to his standard. And he just really beat me and my sister down, like physically, mentally, and emotionally, like our entire life. So for somebody like me, it was always striving to try to prove that I was like worthy of love. Or I was deserving of it because he would never give it until like I had gotten really punished really bad. And I was a really good kid, but it was just like never, it was like this impossible standard that I would never meet. And so it just, you know, it's really frustrating, very hurtful. So you fast forward and how does that transit into a romantic relationship? Well, then I can settle for somebody, which I did, um, and end up conflating like abuse with love where I'm so used to getting that at home from my father, then I'm used to getting this from like this person who I feel like, okay, she's saying she loves me too. So I guess that that's what I should expect mm -hmm. is to be mistreated like this. And um, it just sets the wrong tone in my opinion, because you don't have that good sense of self of what I deserve of what I will not tolerate, what boundaries and uh, deal breakers, if you will, that I will not um, put up with. But if I don't come from households where I'm being built up in that way from very young, then as soon as I start into my first foray into dating, it's naturally going to blow up in my face because mm -hmm. the people I'm entertaining are probably people I have no business entertaining or even allowing to, to get to know me and putting my energy. In them. And that to me, again, is why our environment is so important, because it sets that tone of what will I initially deal with and my bars up here and I'm not going to take anything less than that, then going forward, essentially, I should find what I'm looking for a bit more quickly. But if my bar is way down here, it's, I might have multiple relationships before I figure that out. Like, might get my heart broken mul multiple times, might get really jaded, might uh, just, like you said, avoid even trying to seek somebody out because I'm afraid because of what I saw. Maybe I saw, you know, abuse. So I'm like, Ugh, if that's all that's out there, I'd rather not. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, I can't overstate why it's so important what we see and how that correlates to what we end up dealing with as we get older. And we're starting to make some of those decisions for ourselves. I agree 100%. Wow. Military family is definitely a different challenge, too. <sighs> different background. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, it's a piece. It's a piece. Another yeah. piece of it. Um, I don't want to blame it all on military because I've known some great military people. Um, Absolutely. So it's, it's definitely not just that. My dad was just a genuine hard ass and it <laughs> didn't want to like ever give you like this is one thing I'm going to pivot just for a slight moment and then I'm going to come back to the point we're talking about. But one of the things that I spent a lot of time just because you haven't talked to me about this before because I talk and work with a lot of men, one of my fundamental challenges and things that's very important to me in my lifetime to try to impact is the way that we're perceived and the way that we interact with people in society in terms of our roles, what's normal, what does it mean to be traditional? 
to me, a traditional man, the way that I grew up, like I'm, I'm 35, so I'm a little bit older than you. Um, my experience has been, it's very cold, cut off, not very expressive, but a definitely a financial provider, provides stability, provides discipline and direction. I'm not opposed to all of those things. The disciplinarian, I'm good at. Provider, I'm good at. Stability, I'm great at. Decision-making, for sure. But being the cut-off, cold, callous individual, I don't agree. And unfortunately, a lot of the men that I know, that's the environments that we're raised in, either in society, coming from when we're in school, from our other family members, both male and female. And then again, if we grow up with our fathers, a lot of times we don't get that level of healthy example, what it means to express oneself without like, you know, being angry or, you know, using a substance and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big challenge for me because I already lived it. I already lived what happens when you don't get that. I already know. So I try to work with and, and coach a lot of my clients to, you know, to not only be aware of that, but how we can be better because especially those of us that plan on having children. And like I said, you know, I have a 10 year old son. So I don't want him to have the same challenges that I did. So I work really, really hard, even outside of my own comfort zone, to try to make it very comfortable to express himself in that type of way. So that when he's ready to go have relationships like we were just talking about, he won't struggle so hard like I have had to. Exactly. I love that. Oh, hopefully that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like a generational thing. You just want to make sure that you are setting a higher standard. So um, yeah. it's kind of not replaying the same thing over and over again and just carrying down all those um, negative emotions and, and just qualities and traits that you don't have to really have in life, you know? Yes. That yes, were normal, but now there is no normal. Like <laughs> Yes, which I'm trying to re redefine what that normal quote unquote means. And yeah. And I like that you said that because normal and I put that in quotation marks is extremely subjective. Normal is only normal to you. Because mm -hmm. I would take it a step further because I like I said I have an older sister. Um even when you grow up in the same environment what you perceive as normal is still different because the way that I see the world, if, if we were siblings, the way that I see the world is not necessarily the way that you do because you have a different bias, you have a different personality and a different perspective, even though we were exposed to the same things. So I can't assume that we're going to have exactly the same lived experience, even though we were exposed to the same things, have the same parents and so on and so forth. But it's important to acknowledge that I am going to have my own viewpoints on those things, but sometimes it it sort of can get lost in translation because um, we we as people just tend to make a lot of assumptions about what the other person thinks, how they feel, that we know what they feel better than they do, this kind of stuff. And again, mm -hmm. I challenge all of that. I'm like, no, you're the expert on you. You know how you feel better than me. So don't dare assume or be arrogant enough to think that you're going to tell me how I feel about you or about the situation or what have you. And in relationships, I find that's a, a big area that we get way too comfortable in. It's like, I could, I've been with you for a while, so I think I know what you're about to say, so I'm not going to say it. Or I'm mm. going to fill in the blank for you, and I've kind of gassed myself up to mm. how I think you're going to respond based on how I may have said something to you in the past. And as you mentioned, it all goes back to communication. So... I'm going to take that a step further in the context of relationships. 
where do you think you've had your biggest challenges when it comes to uh, romantic partners and, and just being able to communicate in an effective way? Um, I guess opening up emotionally, it, it, like you mentioned, we've been talking about the subject, but being raised by a male, it mm -hmm. doesn't really set you up to be as open or really give yourself, um, I kind of see it as like a look into your mind, you know, into your thoughts, into your emotions. You kind of just bury that, you know? Mm -hmm. So really making myself emotionally available is so challenging. I still struggle with it, but I'm a lot better now. Um, as I apply a lot more communication and really speaking my mind instead of, you know, biting my tongue and just making sure that things are clear and I'm really expressing myself and, and how I'm feeling. So my partner, is aware one, but two, so we can, you know, build on that and work through it mm -hmm. um, instead of just covering all up and, and just digging myself in a deeper hole. Uh, and then that just brings on a lot of other things um, like negative thoughts and assumptions and even more insecurities and doubts. And, and just, it's just literally a spiral effect. Yes. Um, so I would say emotions really just being verbal and being honest and honestly even um, identifying what is it that I'm feeling and how do I communicate that or uh, now that I know that I'm feeling this what can I do to improve or, or, or what can I do to really um, work on it and mm -hmm. learn from it and just not make it an obstacle but really see it as I'm going through this, this is a challenge how can I get through it um, just slowly but surely so i used to never really open up about how i felt i would just bottle, mm -hmm. bottle it up and act like everything's okay until mm -hmm. you get to this point where the bottle is about to bust and you're just yes. like nothing's working like i hate it <laughs> like you know it just turns so ugly yeah. um so that really took me some time but um as i get to learn more of myself now and really discovering who i am now that i am 22 and i'm understanding more things mm -hmm. um as a young adult and in life and not just through like this fake lens or this, this when you're younger you know you just kind of live a different world so sure um i would say that's been my biggest challenge but i honestly love how far i've come because i really feel like i'm i'm starting to gain um a different sense of self i'm really getting to know, know myself a lot deeper and it also just improves my connection with my partner romantically and other people because you understand things um, within yourself and you can connect with others because they're probably going through something similar or mm -hmm. you can at least be a little bit more empathetic or a lot more empathetic and understanding. Um, and yeah, just opening up more really has been my biggest challenge and, and being okay. honest about how I feel instead of just lying that I'm okay. <laughs> no, that's, and that's really good to hear that you are doing that. I will say even for me, it took me quite a long time and a lot of therapy to even understand like the, the importance of doing that. Because again, you know, when you're raised in environments where that's not particularly valued, then you don't find it to be important. So then you kind of fall, you fall into these pitfalls of mistakes that were very avoidable. And mm -hmm. we find ourselves in these situations where we're maybe being very reactive instead of proactively trying to avoid or learning to troubleshoot ahead of time so that we don't have to have these big blow ups or arguments or whatever disagreements we're experiencing. But 
as you said, it's not normal for a lot of us, you know, and again, I, a lot of the people in the audience I work with are men, but it doesn't mean that obviously you're a perfect example of women can go through it as well, particularly if you're raised without having that connection, maybe with your mom as much when you're young in those formidable years and learning to express oneself. Or even if you see the example is these two people, i.e. my parents or my guardians or whoever raised me, don't communicate well and effectively. I don't have a good example of what that looks like. So how the hell am I going to emulate what I haven't seen? You can't. And yeah. so we make the mistakes. You walk into the trap, you screw it up, and then you got to learn. And we got to make those hard lessons. And so I'm happy that you are starting to become aware again, because you are so young, you're probably going to avoid a lot of the stuff that I did and other people I'm sure older than me um, have had to go through and might still be going through to recognize the importance of doing so. And, it, and even to your point, it's not just about your romantic partner. That is clearly very important, but it's actually for everybody. I need to be what I, what I say is I like to over-communicate and over-clarify with everyone because in many cases, we assume way too much about how people think, what they feel, and not allowing them the space to actually express themselves freely. So instead of doing and leading with all this assumption, let me take a step back and simply allow the person to articulate for themselves. When you said this, this is how I interpreted it. Is that what you meant? And they're like, oh, no, that's not at all what I was trying to say. Oh, okay, good. Because I was about to get really upset. And I just wanted to make sure that I was not like I was correct if I was going to do that. And I usually talk about this idea, um, not to make this like a therapy session, but I talk about this concept of like thoughts, feelings, and then behaviors. So sometimes like if we're feeling anxious or we are concerned about something, maybe it's a conversation we have to have with our partner or somebody important, we might have a thought about it before we've had the conversation. That's the anxiousness talking. And then that mm -hmm. thought leads to a feeling. So now I had this thought already formulated. Now I feel some type of way about the thought that I said. And then the last part in the chain is the behavior. Now I'm behaving and I'm acting on that feeling. But the amazing thing about that chain is I never confirmed with the person to determine if I was correct or not. So I did this whole spiel where I might have blown up my family, blown up the relationship. I could have did a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't even know if I was right. So I could simply avoid all of that and just say, hey, um, when you are saying these things to me or when you're expressing yourself in this way, is that what you meant? Is this what you intended? Because this is how it's making me feel. And I want to be sure before I go further down this line of thought that I'm not wrong and sort of baking in the idea that I can always be wrong. Yes, I look at this and it looks like this. And the bias that I have that we all have makes me think I'm right about 99.9% .9 of the way that I see everything. But I got to always bake in room to say, I could be wrong. So let me ask. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? Yeah, I love that. And honestly, thank you for that. I should, you got me thinking in the back of my head. I, I should apply that a little <laughs> bit more because I feel like I live a lot in my head. And also, yeah. um, it's just so easy to just, just have an assumption spiraling in your head and you have all these thoughts on top of thoughts and yes um it can 100%. it can create ugly situations that are 100 percent avoidable 
Um, yes. So just making sure that, I mean, you understood something because communication could be clear, but again, you can always be wrong and, and perceive things completely yes. different than what the person meant. Um, so I agree 100%. <laughs> Good. I'm hoping that you, you, you and anybody else that might watch this would get some value from that because I think it's those are the types of issues that are very avoidable, but we just have to be willing to kind of challenge our thinking. And I know it's really hard. That's why I said mm -hmm. our personal bias. I said about 99% of the time, you're, we're going to be like, nope, that's what it is. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Next topic. But we have to always bake in room because, and this is the hard part, I have to always remember that I am not Michaela. I am not in her head. I don't see the world the way that she does. So even though this is how it appears to me, that does not mean that's the way she intended for me to receive that information. So I need to ask her, is this what you meant? Because this is how it made me feel. And if I'm wrong, okay, guess what? Now you have the opportunity to clarify and rephrase what you were saying, and I don't have to be offended. And we can go on about mm -hmm. our day. And you know what's a good habit that I feel like feeds into that? That is whole, that has also helped me realize that um, not all my thoughts are true, is being more mindful, being more mm -hmm. present, being more aware of just living in a moment and mm -hmm. not letting my thoughts kind of push me into that, like, oh, well, they said it like this. And, and you just start, like, again, spiraling through these negative thoughts and assumptions. Yes. So just just practicing mindfulness and understanding that you know that they have their own life they have their own personal challenges and other Correct. aspects like work uh family not just mm -hmm. in this relationship whether it's romantic or just like a friendship or whatever it may be um and just being present has really given me the opportunity to step back and and understand yes. hey they're human too you know mm -hmm. maybe they're having um some other challenge that i don't know about that's kind of just seeping into all other aspects and i interpret mm -hmm. that completely different um so it just it gives me a space to to be more understanding and, and empathetic and less reactive um, good and more understanding that's really good to hear I, i'm i'm always happy to hear when we are willing to take that step back and i call that just giving grace to people and also to ourselves where we're just saying right. you know i'm baking in an opportunity where not only could i be wrong but let me not assume the worst about you in this particular moment, even though it might come off this particular way. As you mm -hmm. stated, there might be some other things going on in your life that I'm not privy to that you have not shared with me, or maybe you're a random stranger and I'm just like immediately judging you because of something that you did. But I don't know. And let mm -hmm. me let me sort of be comfortable in my ignorance to say, because I don't know, again, let me not assume what you mean or how you're intending for this to come across. Because the only way you're gonna know if something's actually wrong or if you're being offensive to me is if I communicate it to you, which is healthy, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we don't want to communicate that in an offensive way back because we feel some type of way about it. Instead say, hey, but this is how it came across to me and allowing that person to then clarify back. But if we jump down their throat because, well, this is exactly what you meant. I know that's why you said it to me just now. Well, again, that's my, the, the chain I said earlier, I basically just blew through that like immediately. Thought, feeling, behavior, boom, go. I'm going to meet you with hostility. Mm -hmm. I didn't give you any room to breathe, to like share anything with me in maybe a better way than the way that it immediately came across. So I'm glad that you're saying that you are giving 
some space, being more present to allow people to express themselves maybe in a better way. And you also you working on being more patient because I think all of us can afford to do that because again, none of us are anything else but ourselves. So we can never assume how anybody else that we deal with in our lives feels or thinks. So we got to give them the opportunity to really share that with us. And so when you think about romantic relationships, to me, that's like the perfect test, right? With anybody else, you know, family, again, that's why I said earlier, we have those connections. We kind of feel tied to them because we were born into them or if they're our child, we birthed them. But mm -hmm. romantic partners, we chose them. So I have to sort of be willing to give you a certain degree for the benefit of the doubt. Right. So that when, when we can communicate, it can be healthy, not hostile. Hopefully you would agree with me there. I agree a thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um that's a big a big component of what I deal with and what some of the conversations that I have. And I'm hoping that in conversations like this, when especially getting the female's perspective, I think it's important because we all can learn from each other, um, regardless of age or background. And to, again, be more inquisitive and curious and less judgmental and very certain, because most of these things we cannot be certain about because we're talking about human beings. And again, everything right. lives in the gray. We don't really know anything until you actually take the opportunity to talk to them and learn about them. Absolutely. Okay. And thank you so much for giving me this space to open up. I um, Sure. I don't think you understand how much I appreciate this opportunity just because I feel like even as a younger individual, I'm only 22, a lot of people don't respect my opinion just because I am young or they don't um, care to really hear my outlook uh, mm. on my life experiences so far just because they assume that like, I don't know anything, you know, like I'm so young, like what have you been through? <laughs> you don't know what it's like. You don't have any <sighs> challenges, like you don't have any hardships. And I'm just like, that no. is not true. Like, no. it's 100% not true. <laughs> No, we, we don't subscribe to that. I'll even share with you really. I'll share with you briefly, actually. Um, I, sometimes I'll get a mom who will bring a son to me. And, you know, they'll be reaching out trying to, you know, basically filter out and see if I'm somebody that they want to work with their son. And mm -hmm. I've had a couple in the past, recent past, where they've made certain comments that I've had to immediately confront them on. So they'll say things like, and I'm going to say it the way that they said it. He doesn't have any fucking reason to be depressed right now. I take care of the goddamn bills. What could he possibly be worried about? I'm the one that works. And I have to look at them. I was like, ma'am, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. that's, an, that's highly invalidating and disrespectful. Just because from your perspective and your lens as the mother, as the adult, as the provider you don't think that your child has any right to feel some type of way. That's not fair to then take that from them and make them feel like they're supposed to do what with those feelings exactly? Swallow them, mm -hmm. bury them. What are we supposed to do with that? That's not healthy, number one. Number two, these are young men. And as I said to you earlier, we already have trouble with expressing ourselves. That's already what's perpetrated to us throughout our lives, no matter virtually where you grow up in the world, this is an issue. So I absolutely challenge in those scenarios, those women, those mothers. And I hear people say stuff like that. So I don't care how old they are. 
if my 10 year old came to me as like, dad, I'm starting to feel depressed. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say, oh, well, you have no reason to be depressed. I take care of everything. What could you possibly worry about? That's not <laughs> fair. It's not. It's not fair to say that. So you will certainly never hear that from somebody like me. And if people out there <laughs> are invalidating young people and saying, well, you don't, you shouldn't have an opinion about anything. I think that that's just disrespectful. Like point blank period. I wouldn't endorse or support any type of thinking that makes it seem as though any person, regardless of age, is not allowed to have an opinion or perspective on whatever the topic is. Hopefully that gave you my uh, firmly rooted opposition to how whoever's I'm been you. telling you that stuff. I'm with you. I just, honestly, like you said, I don't even subscribe to that. I'm like, once they tell me that, I'm like, alrighty, I kind of gauge where you're at, how you feel, understood, yeah. keep it going. <laughs> No, I heard, heard, man. And again, and I, and then same <laughs> to you. I appreciate you for being here um, because you might resonate with people at a different age demographic who might be going through a very similar stage of life that you are. And to me, I'll say this one last point. Um, it's been my experience. I feel like it takes virtually our entire 20s to really start to figure out who we are as an individual. And obviously, I'm not that much older, but. And I feel like my 30s or our 30s beyond is where we can actually take action, like to create the reality that we want to based on learning who we really are, cool. what we want to manifest. But I think it takes that long because for a lot of us, you know, again, we don't grow up in environments that really challenge us to discover who we are. It's more like be seen and not heard for some of us. That was my upbringing or, you know, just perform academically, but nobody really cares about your interests or your passions. Or maybe you just grew up in an environment where nobody really talks to you. So you don't feel encouraged to discover or to be um, inquisitive and introspective in that way. But regardless, I think it's important for us to take these opportunities to have these conversations because you might resonate with somebody who's at the same point of life that you are and hearing you be vulnerable and share some of these tidbits might en encourage them to either go work with somebody or just start to ask themselves those same questions that you are. Why am I doing things the way that I'm doing them? Maybe I need to get another perspective. Maybe I need to go to therapy. Maybe I need to talk to my father. Maybe I need to talk to my mother. All these different things that I could start working on. And I think we just want to spark the conversation, you know, and, and get somebody who, if they're feeling unhappy, if they're feeling upset, if there's aspects of their life that they're not happy about, what can they do now to start putting in the effort to make whatever their goals or their dreams are start to become their reality? And sometimes we got to get out of our own way. There's yeah. things that we're doing that are contributing to our own misery. And so learning how to change your perspective or how to be more optimistic or hopeful for the future, it takes a lot of time. I'm a therapist. I know that it's not like a quick switch and you microwave it. It's a very long journey depending on where that person started. But I believe we all got to start somewhere. So I'm glad that you are, you know, putting in that effort and hopefully again, you don't have to deal with half the challenges that many of us have had to when you get to our age. <laughs> I can say it's all thanks to um, just my upbringing in general, since I, I did just live with my father. I just feel like I've always been surrounded by people who are a lot older. Um, and I also feel like social media played a big part, like just seeing, mm -hmm. um, all different kinds of people's and, and opinions and personalities and quotes and, um, 
just different ways you can live life. I just feel like it really just opened up my mind to realize that there's not um, one way to do things. There's so many different ways that you can do things and you determine that um, through really discovering who you are. So yes. most definitely. It, 100%. Well, excellent. I feel like that's an appropriate way in time to end this. So I really appreciate you for being here and I love everything that I've been able to learn from you. Perhaps, Aww. potentially, maybe there'll be a follow-up um, if you would be so kind in the future. But I really like, like all the feedback you provided. And again, the information to me is, is the most important part. Um, speaking of social media, I'm, I'm very much not savvy when it comes to that because I didn't grow up with it. <laughs> um, but I do see the value where people who may be going through things and this, sometimes you might reach a piece of content that just might speak to you and it might inspire you to then want to do something to change your life. And so that's me getting that understanding is what is pushing me to do this. That's why I'm doing this in the first place. Um, because I recognize that I can't work with everybody. It wouldn't be enough time. And I want to be able to create some type of impact um, mm -hmm. to try to help people that I might not be able to. And so talking to great people like you, I'm hoping will help facilitate that. So again, I thank you for being here and we will call that one a wrap. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I definitely will take your insight and um, advice into great consideration and apply, apply new um, things to my life. I really learned a lot from this talk. So, yeah. Excellent. Okay.